This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. Ephesians is a lot like Colossians, but it's just different enough that we're actually going to have to talk about it too. You can't just say, we just talked about Colossians, and so now you know what Ephesians is about. Let's go home. Going home might be nice, but spending some time looking at Ephesians will be nice too. And one of the things that is noticeably different, Colossians talked about a mystery, and the philosophy said something about a mystery, and Paul confronts that with the true mystery, that's Jesus Christ, and that Jesus Christ is for us and forgives us. Here, the mystery, as we'll see, is still definitely rooted in Jesus, but the mystery... It also has what we might call an ecclesiological dimension, which is just to say the mystery is actually related to the church in a certain sense. That was a little bit true in Colossians where it just sort of says Christ is the head of the body, the church. So Christ and the church were in some sense brought together there, but that theme's expanded here a little bit. Paul's going to spend more time thinking about the relationship between what Christ has done for us and how that should affect our life together as a community. He's going to talk about that a decent amount. But what I hope to show is that this big emphasis on Christian unity here is determined by and shaped by the person and work of Jesus Christ. So it's not actually different. It's just a way of teasing out its implications in a slightly different way. So a couple of things. We already read um, a big chunk of Ephesians as one sentence. But one thing that's interesting about Ephesians, and I'm not sure if the Bible, you have notes this in any way, but if you read uh, verse 1, the second half, it says, to the saints who are in Ephesus. Does anyone have a little note by the word Ephesus? Basically, if you have a note, it'll say something like, some of the manuscripts we have say to the church in Ephesus, and some just say to the church, and don't actually say Ephesus, okay? And one of the things that's debated is whether or not this letter was actually written to the church in Ephesus, or whether this letter was written, and it basically had a fill-in-the-blank section, to the church in, and then you could write Ephesus. And then you could use this letter again and write, because we have manuscripts that don't say to Ephesus, and we have manuscripts that do. And so one common opinion is that this was actually a letter that was meant to circulate around, to summarize a lot of Paul's teaching, and it could be useful for a lot of places. And you'll definitely notice, if you read this, it's not like Galatians and First and Second Corinthians. That's just real specific about issues that are going on there. You know, this is not about the Judaizers who came and what they said and what I say in response, and about the fact that there's quarrels among you and you've got the Lord's Supper all confused and you have disunity and you're taking each other to court. Right? It's not that kind of specific thing. It's much more of a general letter. There's exhortation in it, there's theology in it, but it's a bit more stepped back. You read this, and it could be addressing, you know, our church just as much as it could be addressing the church in Ephesus, is at least the feeling you get. So this may be very well a circular letter that's meant to sort of go around and summarize a lot of Paul's theology. And as I said, if that's right, that would help account for why it has a slightly different style. It's something that's more general. You can use this a lot of times. It would be a bit more sort of theologically universal, just to say it could speak to a lot of situations. 
or at least was intended to. I think that helps to answer the style question. But what we'll see is that a lot of themes that have been in Paul's other letters are here in sort of nice, neat summaries. His teaching about justification, which is run through Philippians 3 and Galatians 1, 2, 3, and 4, and Romans 3, 4, 5, 8, 11, etc. It's going to be summed up real nicely here in Ephesians 2. The big teaching that comes out in Romans 9 through 11, or at least some of the theology that's under the big teaching about Israel in Romans 9 through 11, is summed up very nicely here in Ephesians 1. A lot of Paul's thoughts about the coming together of Jew and Gentile, which was a huge theme in Romans and a huge theme in Galatians, if you remember. That was one of the big problems. What do we do with Gentiles? Do we need to circumcise them? Do they need to keep the law? Can they be children of Abraham if they don't act like the children of Abraham are supposed to, like Moses said? Um, that was a big issue. That's really the second half of Ephesians 2 addresses that issue, not in a really specific way like Galatians, but it gives us a sort of theological framework in which to think about that issue. So a lot of the stuff that Paul has addressed clearly is informing the themes and the topics he chooses to write about here, but they're in these more general sort of summarized forms. So they actually help us. One of the things you'll notice is if you're trying to figure out what Galatians 2, 15 to 21 means when he talks about justification, not by works of the law, but through faith in Christ. Actually, if you come here and read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that can actually help you because here's a nice summary statement from Paul saying the same thing, but sort of out of that context where he was fighting with these Judaizers. He just says it positively. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one week or semester length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.